the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City, WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Folks, listen very carefully. The principle that Jesus is, is giving here, is teaching here, is much broader than, than the immediate situation of the Pharisees' blasphemy. In telling us that the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart, the Lord is telling us very plainly that whatever we are in the inside, whatever we are in the inside in terms of our character will be revealed by the words that we speak. If you want to know what a person is really like, then just listen to the words they speak, because whatever is in their hearts will eventually come out in their words. It has to. It has to, because Jesus said the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So what does this mean practically? Well, practically speaking, it means that your words tell people exactly what you're like. Kind of a frightening thought. My words do that as well. The old saying about someone's bark being worse than their bite, meaning that they sound worse than they really are, that's just not true. That's that's just a cliche. That's not true. If they are barking out unpleasant, menacing words, it's because that's exactly what they're like. verse in our series taken from Matthew chapter 12 that is titled, Words Have Meaning. You know, humans are very adept at making excuses for, oh, let's just say our shortcomings. Although sometimes really what we're talking about is making excuses for our sin. One of the biblical examples Pastor Steve Kreloff will bring to us today is the example of King David when he was confronted with his sin with Bathsheba. He called sin, sin. And that's how we're starting today's verse-by-verse broadcast. You know, there's an interesting phrase in Scripture, and Pastor Steve has alluded to that principle behind the phrase, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Sooner or later, we will all say something that will expose our heart. Pastor Steve has some very practical helps for us today near the end of our broadcast. So please make sure you stay with us for the entire program. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. And I want to read to you the first four verses, and you'll see what's coming out of of David's heart. He said, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against you. You only... I've said, notice there are no excuses. You said, Lord, this is what I did, and I did it against you. I've done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. David had horrible remorse for his sin. He's feeling guilty because he was guilty. And so he's pouring out his heart in the first four verses, and he'll continue doing that. But it is in verse 5 that he pauses and explains why he did what he 
did, why he sinned. He tells us in verse 5, this is not an excuse, this is just him saying he understands why he did this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now we've said on many occasions, David is not saying that his mother had an affair and he was the product of that union. What he is saying is that at conception, he received a sinful nature. And when he was born, when he came out of his mother's womb, he had that sinful nature, and that's why he has sinned, because of his sin nature. In other words, he's saying that the sins that he committed stemmed from a rebellious, wicked nature, which he has always had. So we do need to understand that in, in telling the Pharisees that they were completely evil, Jesus is making an indictment, a very strong indictment against all of us, all of Adam's children, the entire race of fallen creatures. Every one of us has an evil heart. We are born that way. And the only way that evil heart will ever be changed is not by religion, not by baptism, not by reformation. It is by transformation. This is what the new birth is about. This is what happens at salvation. Those who call upon the Lord have received a divine nature, a new nature, the Bible says. God says, I'll I'll change your heart. And the language of the Old Testament says, I'll give you a kosher heart. I'll cut your heart. I'll cut out the old sinful heart and give you a new heart. I'll give you a whole new nature. It's called a divine nature. That doesn't mean we don't struggle with sin, but it does mean that by our nature we are changed. By our nature we are changed. We now have the capacity to to be like Christ and to grow in Christ-like character. Not only the capacity, there will be growth there because we have a new nature, even as we struggle still with sin. So that's the first truth that comes out of this. Man in his heart is evil. And so when people do evil, we ought not to think, where did that come from? Where did that come from? I don't understand why somebody did this. We ought to understand why they did this, because out of the heart comes all this sin. Now, the second important truth about ourselves that we learn from Christ's words to the blasphemous Pharisees is that our speech then reveals what's really in our hearts. Our speech reveals our inner character. Our speech reveals whether we are sinful or have been transformed. That's what Jesus meant, the last phrase at the end of verse 34, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. In other words, the words that come out of our mouths come from the overflow of what is already in our hearts. Charles Spurgeon, the British preacher, very quaintly explained this truth by saying, that which is in the well comes up in the bucket. It's a good visual. That which is in the well comes up in the bucket. That's exactly why the Pharisees spoke to to Jesus the way they did. It was in their hearts, it was in their will that they hated him, that they thought he was evil, and so it came out of the bucket, these evil words, out of the overflow of their hearts. These evil words were just the runover from their evil hearts. Now, now, folks, listen very carefully. The principle that Jesus is is giving here, teaching here, is much broader than, than the immediate situation of the Pharisees' blasphemy. In telling us that the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart, the Lord is telling us very plainly that whatever we are on the inside, 
Whatever we are on the inside in terms of our character will be revealed by the words that we speak. If you want to know what a person is really like, then just listen to the words they speak because whatever is in their hearts will eventually come out in their words. It has to. It has to because Jesus said the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So what does this mean practically? Well, practically speaking, it means that your words tell people exactly what you're like. Kind of a frightening thought. My words do that as well. The old saying about someone's bark being worse than their bite, meaning that they sound worse than they really are, that's just not true. That's that's just a cliche. That's not true. If they are barking out unpleasant, menacing words, it's because that's exactly what they're like. It's exactly what they're like. There's no such thing as, well, I said this, but I really didn't mean it. No, you said what you meant. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as much as we might like people to think of us in a certain way, your words tell them exactly what you're like. You cannot consistently fool people into thinking that you're a certain kind of person when you're not like that at all. And the reason you can't do this is because your words express what's on your mind, what's in your heart. Now, truth is, you may be able to hide from people what you're really like for a brief period of time, but it is only a brief period of time. Sooner or later, you're going to say something that will expose your heart. You can work on controlling your words, but listen, in a world of pressure, in a world of stress, in a world of problems, in a world in which we get tired, your real thoughts are going to surface and express itself in words at some point, at some point. And so the way this works, for example, is that if your inward disposition, if your basic character is that you are characterized by anger, eventually you're going to vent that anger in words because at some point, at some point, you are going to put your agitated thoughts into words. What comes out in your words will reveal that you are an angry person. Or if you're a person who has filled your mind with sexual lust, eventually you're going to express those lustful thoughts with some inappropriate words. Maybe not all the time, but at some point, perhaps it'll be a crude or sexually suggestive comment because that's what's in your mind. That's what your your heart is really saying. The principle is that the words that you and I speak really are so important because there is no such thing as I really didn't mean what I said. Or someone might say, I know I said hateful things to you, but I I was just rash. I was impulsive. I, I wasn't thinking. No, you weren't restraining your words. You were thinking. You were thinking out loud. Or someone may say, you know what? Uh, that outburst you heard of those nasty remarks, just disregard them. That wasn't the real me. I was tired. I, I've been exhausted. Nonsense. That was the real you. That was the real you. Those words revealed the real you. You were just holding back before. Your words are the ultimate expression of what's in your heart. So here's an important question for us to consider. If our words reveal our hearts, and they do, does this mean that everyone is doomed all the time to always utter sinful, wicked words? Because there's so much sin, as we know, dwelling in our hearts. And the answer is no. It doesn't have to be like that. There is hope for us, great hope. And I say that because Jesus went on in verse 35 to say that there is a positive side to this principle of words revealing our character. Notice verse 35. He said, the good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Now, in this statement, the Lord compares our hearts to a treasure from which our mouth 
speaks. It's very helpful, I think, enlightening, and I also think interesting to know that the specific Greek word that the Lord used here, or as Matthew translated it, and it was inspired, and he used a Greek word here, for treasure is the familiar word thesaurus. We have that word in our English language as well. What is a thesaurus? A thesaurus is a treasury of words, a treasury of words. So, so then what Jesus means is that our hearts are like a treasury. Our hearts are like a place where we store our thoughts. When we speak, we are taking those thoughts out of the treasury or the storage room and expressing them in specific words. That's precisely what Jesus is talking about. But notice very carefully that Jesus said there are two types of treasuries, two types of storage rooms. There is a good treasury, he said in verse 35, and there is an evil treasury. Because why? There are two types of individuals. He spoke of a good man who brings out of his good treasure what is good, and an evil man who brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Now, we want to understand this very, very uh, well because we don't want to miss it here. Jesus did not mean that there are some individuals who are innately good, that they have no sin in their lives, they are perfect. He certainly doesn't mean that because that would contradict everything else scripture says. Rather, what he's talking about is there are certain people who have had their hearts changed, transformed. He's referring about believers. He's calling believers good people here. Not perfect, but good in the sense that their thought life has been transformed so that while not free from sinful thoughts, they choose to fill their minds with biblical truths and values so that, watch this, what comes out of their mouths now are pure and wholesome words that reflect a new and a divine nature. Certainly not perfection, but the general flow of their lives so that they think biblically, their values are biblical, so their words are pure and wholesome. They don't speak the way they used to speak. That's what he's saying. On the other hand, Jesus said that the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Now, we've already dealt with the evil Pharisees who spoke so wickedly of Jesus because their hearts were filled, like every unsaved person, with evil, wicked thoughts. But I want you to see exactly what God says about how unsaved people speak. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 3. Some of us are a bit naive when we hear the unsaved talk and we are offended. How can they speak this way? question is, how can they not speak this way? How can they not speak this way? That's precisely what Jesus meant. You being evil, how could you say anything else? How could the Pharisees say anything good about Jesus when their hearts were evil? In Romans chapter 3, the apostle Paul is indicting the world like a prosecuting attorney showing that the world being on trial, they're all sinful. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he, and he comes to a point in Romans chapter 3 where he really hits home, starting at verse 10, he says, but there is none righteous, not even one. There's not one person on this planet who's ever been born righteous. Only Christ, but not one other person. There is none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. So much for the seeker mentality Paul said there's none who seek after God, not of their own. There's no one who really understands God. That's why we believe so strongly in the sovereignty of God and election. God is the one who seeks. God is the one who gives them understanding. No one innately 
is interested in God, not the God of Scripture, not the God of truth. Verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they've become useless. All have turned away from God. They're not turning to him. They may be turning to idolatry and false religion, but they're turning away from him. Then he says, there is none who does good, not even one. And the evidence of this, folks, is found in the way they speak. Verse 13, their throat is an open grave. Now, what that means is that, remember, back then people were, were um, dead bodies were and corpses were put in caves, and they had a stone over them. Paul is saying their throat is as if you remove that stone and smelt the stench of decaying flesh. Kind of a disgusting thought. Paul says that's the way their throat is, like an open grave. It's filled with putrid odor, decaying flesh. Are you ready for lunch? Are you thinking of lunch now? He says when uh, he says that not only that with their tongues they keep deceiving. The unsaved person is deceptive. They are misleading. They are liars by nature. The poison of asps, meaning snakes, is under their lips because they're a brood of vipers whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And he goes on to say that they sin in other ways too. But that's the way unsaved man is. So, so when you go to work and they talk like this or you find that it's school or your neighbor's talking, don't, don't be shocked. Don't be naive about it. How could you expect them to say anything else? That's what's in their heart is coming out in their mouth. That's why we don't try to reform the unsaved. To do that would just be fixing the outside. It's salvation that changes the heart. When a person is saved and becomes a believer, his speech changes. If your speech has never changed, then you don't know Christ. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You ought to be speaking differently. You ought to be speaking differently. It doesn't mean that at times you won't fall back into bad speech patterns, but you'll be convicted and you will make changes. Non-Christians speak the way they speak because of their hearts. Their words are merely the expression of their depraved, sinful nature. So as I said, don't expect non-Christians to speak to you the same way that a Christian is going to speak. And don't be shocked by their speech. They are speaking out of the abundance of their hearts. In fact, you know what? They don't even have the capacity to speak differently. They don't have the capacity to clean up their act. The only way their speech is ever going to change is if their hearts are changed. So transform the heart and you will transform the language that comes from the heart. You know how critical this is? You know why this is so important? Not only does it reveal your character, but Jesus goes on to say it is the difference between heaven and hell. It is the difference between where you will spend eternity. Why do I say that? Because of the next words, which we will get to. I'm just going to read it now, but we will explain it. Lord willing, next week, verses 36 and 37. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Not only do our words reveal our true character, but our words are the very basis for our judgment. Think words aren't important? They are the difference between heaven and hell. Let's bow for prayer. As you think about your words, what do they say about your character? If you claim to know Christ, is that reflected in your speech? How do you speak to people? 
Do your words reflect your redeemed heart? I don't mean that you're quoting Bible verses all day long. But I mean that that you've cleaned up cursing. You've cleaned up nasty words, put-downs, little biting, sarcastic statements, angry statements. Do you speak differently? If you don't, then you do need to examine your heart and see if you're really in the faith. A transformed heart will issue forth in transformed words. Your words are critical. Your speech, if your speech reveals a heart of only rebellion, still filled with cursings, vulgarities, bitterness, malice, jealousy, anger, that's all that's coming out of you, then you've never really been saved. You've never been saved. Because if you were, those things would not be true in your in your life. Jesus said, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Now, if if you're not a believer, then you need to become one. Don't don't deceive yourself thinking you're a believer, but your words don't reflect that you're a believer. We're not talking, once again, about perfection, just about the general trend. So don't let your minds deceive you. Come to Christ. But you may indeed be a true believer who still struggles with speaking wholesome words. You still struggle. You're not, you're not where you want to be. A lot of unwholesome speech still comes from your mouth. Then the key to cultivating wholesome speech as a believer should is, is not to work on your words, but to cultivate a wholesome mind, a heart that's different, character that's different. Put some effort into thinking on the truth. If your heart dwells on the truth, then the words that come from your heart will be righteous words. How do you cultivate this kind of a mindset? Several things I would suggest. Number one, meditate on Scripture. Think on the things that are biblically true. Meditate on the Word. Fill your mind with truth, the truth of God's Word. Secondly, fill your minds with literature that has biblical values. Even beyond the Bible, read good books. Books that have biblical value. Also, an important thing to do is certainly evangelize the unsaved, but make sure that you balance that out with hanging out with Christian friends. Do you have Christian friends, people you socialize with? Are you in a Sunday school class? Do you go to a home fellowship? Make sure that you are around people who will use edifying speech that will fill your minds. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are you? I'll give you a few moments to think about this. Speak to the Lord about this, then I'll close in prayer. Lord, so often we speak and say we, we are in thinking, but we really are thinking. Our, our words are giving, putting our thoughts into concrete form, words that we can't really take back. And I pray that everyone here will be aware of their speech, not only what they verbally say, but this applies to what we write. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, may our hearts reflect Christ in everything that we do, everything that we say. I pray for that person here today who is honest with himself and realizes that his speech does not reflect Christ. It's crude, at times vulgar, deceitful. I pray that 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 one will be convicted of either coming to know the Savior 
or else if a genuine believer of changing their thoughts so that their words are changed. Lord, may we speak with kindness as believers. May we speak with graciousness. May we speak to build up and not put down. May we not reflect insecure little hearts that want to uh, demonstrate that we're better than others. I, I pray that our speech would match the new nature that you've given to us. And so, Lord, I I pray that you will bring us back next week and we'll see how important our words are in terms of eternity. And I pray, Lord, all of this in Jesus' name. Wow, excellent teaching on today's Verse by Verse. As we learn today, the key to cultivating good speech is not to work on our words, but to cultivate a wholesome mind. If our hearts dwell on truth, then the words that come from our hearts will be righteous. Pastor Steve gave us some solid ideas today. Think on the things that are biblically true. Fill our minds with literature that has biblical values. Make sure we're around people who will use edifying speech that will fill our minds. There are other things that are helpful also, but those are good starting points. I hope you've been challenged with this verse-by-verse series on Words Have Meaning. If you would like to be able to hear any of these programs again, please go to versebyverseradio.org. Sign up for the Verse by Verse podcast. That's versebyverseradio.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.